0: You go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of boy. God, you shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God.
1: 8:31 to 36 for you. And then we'll pray. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for freedom this morning. We are free slaves. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we would one day experience salvation. And so we give thanks to the Lord for his love and endures forever. Open our eyes this morning, Lord God, so we will see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. We pray this morning and we come in agreement in the name of Jesus that someone who is bound by sin and in sin will be set free in the name of Jesus. We pray for salvation. We pray in the name of Jesus that someone who has gone astray as the prodigal son did will recommit and reconnect with you. Speak, Lord, through me, wear me, lead me, and direct me. Let your will be done. and Let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated if you are standing. I believe that we have the right to life, we have the right to liberty, we have the right to free speech, we have the right to our own opinions, and we have the right to the pursuit of happiness, whatever we think that may be. But also I believe that as believers in God, our followers of Christ, we are not truly independent, but we are very much dependent on God our Father. So the believer may be independent, but at the same time, they are are dependent on God. So let's look at the definition of the word liberty or freedom. The dictionary defines liberty as the condition of being free from restriction or control. So the question is, how many of us have a life free from any restrictions or control? The truth is, though we say we are free, we are not really free. That's the truth. The basic law of the land restrict our liberties, though we say we are free people. You can't say certain things. You can't drive at a certain speed. You can't wear certain things. You just can't. So though we are free, we are not free. Don't make sense. Are, are we really free? We can't drive as fast as we want without penalty. We are controlled by our workplaces. You're not free to turn up to work anytime you want, unless you want to be fired, of course. You're not free to leave whenever you want. You're not free to do whatever you want there. So are you really free? Are we really free? They give us time to get to work, time for lunch, and time to leave. In fact, some places tell you what to wear. And what days to wear it. So here in John 8, we read that Jesus says, we have been set free from, not the laws of the land, but set free from the control of sin. Because the the message is, what am I really free from? Uh, We love to think, I'm free. No longer bound. No chains holding me. My soul is resting and is such a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, I am free. Free from what? And free for what? What are you free from? And what are you free for? Jesus said first we are free from sin. And we have been set free from the restriction of sin. That has kept us from being a part of God's family. But we are liberated to live our lives. But are we, because of this freedom, liberated to live our life in total freedom? Even the Bible reminds us that we do not have freedom to live as we want. Though we have been set free from sin, we don't have the freedom to live as we want. Paul, in fact, refers to himself as a slave three times, as does Timothy. James referred to himself as a slave. Peter referred to himself as a slave. Jude referred to himself as a slave. In fact, we're told in 2 Peter 2 verse 19, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So if you ask me who I am or what I am, I am a free slave. That's what we really are. We are really free slaves. Romans 6 verse 18 says, We have become slaves to righteous living. Again, in Ephesians 6 verse 6, the scripture says, We are slaves of Christ. So though we are free, we are slaves. How is it possible for us to both be slaves and be free? It's, it's in the Bible. And so you are getting a lot of scripture this morning. This is Exodus chapter 21, verse 2, and verse 5 and 6. And this is going to show you how you can be free, but still a slave. It says, if you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve for no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. But the slave made clear, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. Says if he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ears with an all. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. So the slave was a slave. He set free. He says, I love my master and I want to serve my master. And so the master says, okay, you are free, but you can still be my slave. You see, we can say like David in Psalm 119 verse 45. David says, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I can walk in freedom because I've devoted myself to your commandment. What have we been set free from? We have been set free from the control of sin so that we can be free slaves. So all I'm going to do, I'm going to help us this morning to understand what are some of the things that have been set free from. Number one, we have freedom from the law. We have freedom from the law. Not the law of the land, but the law, the Moses, the Mosaic law. Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. He said, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish their purpose and that was their purpose. Paul also wrote in in, in Romans 5 verse 20. He says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. What is the purpose of the law according to Paul? Paul. Paul said, the law was given, so when you look at the law, you could see how sinful you are. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. And Paul says, the purpose of the law was that when people looked at the law, looked at God's standard for living, they will keep on sinning. Every time you look at the law, you see how sinful you are. Paul goes on and he writes, For Christ, in in, in Romans 10 verse 4, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. Because Christ has accomplished the purpose for which the law was given and I am in Christ. Hallelujah. I am free from the law. Why? Because Christ accomplished The purpose of the law and I am in Christ. That means the purpose of the law is already accomplished through me because I'm in Christ. I am free from it. He says, as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So the law was there so you could see how wrong you are. Christ came and said, listen, I'm going to fulfill the law. Now that I have fulfilled the law, when you come to me, you will be made right. You don't have to look at the law to see how wrong you are. So we no longer need the law to make us right with God. We simply need to believe in Jesus. The purpose of the law initially was to make people right with God. I don't need the law to be right with God anymore because Christ fulfilled. But why do I keep the law? Why do I, why do I don't kill? Because Christ says, love my neighbor as myself. There's a greater law at work in me. I don't need the law to make me right with God. You don't need the law to be made right with God. We simply need to believe in Jesus. And Paul says it in Romans 10 verse 9. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The law doesn't save you. Believing in Jesus Christ and confessing confessing him as Lord is what saves you. We are free from the law. We are also free from traditions. There were some traditions, and maybe still are, that people had to keep. And those traditions would put them in bondage. But when I was set free, when you were set free, when you believed in Jesus, you were freed from tradition. tradition. So Mark 7 from 68, Jesus replied, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right. When he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people under me, watch this, under me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's what Isaiah said. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made, man-made ideas as commands from God. They were teaching man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. So they had some tradition in those times. And we still have some now in our time where people will tell you that you have to do this. And if you are saved, you have to do this. And to be saved, you have to do this. And and if you don't follow the tradition, they say you don't qualify. When I was set free, I was free from your traditions. In other words, I don't have to wear a jacket to be a pastor. People can wear jeans to church and still worship God. Uh, listen, church don't, have to keep, church don't have to start at 10. It can start at 5. Church can be kept on Thursdays. If you can keep Bible study on Thursdays, church can start Thursday at 10 o'clock in the morning. Church don't have to have four fast songs. Or four slow songs for it to be right. Tradition says you have to do hymns. Or else you can't really worship God. Tradition says, well you need drums and keyboards and guitars. Tradition. The scripture said you ignore God's law and you substitute your own tradition. Let's give, let me give you an example. Because baptism was a tradition that Jesus had to change in terms of how it was administered. Even those who got baptized under John had to be baptized under Jesus' baptism. What does Jesus say in Mark 16, verse 16? He says, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Alright? Look at that scripture carefully because this is one of the scriptures that people point to to say, no baptism means no salvation. They use the scripture to say, the scripture says, believe and be baptized and you'll be saved. And what they say to you, if you believe or you don't baptize, you are not saved. But what Jesus said was, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. It means that if you believe, you will not be condemned. Right? So Paul wrote again, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. So what they were doing is saying that you have to get baptized to be saved. Jesus said, you have to believe to be baptized in other words, Jesus says, no, no. You have to get saved first and then get baptized. Their tradition was, repent. Be baptized and show fruits of repentance. John the Baptist. Jesus said, no man, just believe. And Then when you believe, you get baptized. Because when you believe, you are not condemned. It is your believing that removes you from under condemnation. Not your baptism. Is baptism important? Of course it is. But baptism doesn't save you. Believing in Jesus Christ save you. I am free from tradition. The writer of the epistle made it a commitment of the early church. Although it is evident it was an expected and accepted practice. But we can have such strong traditions like it's King James or nothing. There are some people you can't read the New Living Translation for them. That is not the Bible. Give me me good old King James. Hallelujah. Traditions like you must be at church every time the doors are open. You must tithe or God can't bless you. You must read your Bible every day or you'll never hear from God. While all these things are important, none should be done from compulsion but rather from a desire I am free from tradition. He says there are no set in stone rituals that should hinder the movement of the Holy Spirit and distract from the call of the church. No set in stones. There is no one way except for God's way. God can move in the Baptist church, in the Methodist church, In the charismatic church, in the Pentecostal church. It don't matter. God can move when you're playing fast songs. God can move when you're playing reggae beats to gospel music. It don't matter. Don't put God in a box based on our tradition. Because when Jesus sets us free, we are free from tradition, we are free from the law, and then we're also free from sin. There was a time when sin had control over us. We had no other choice but to sin. We were like dogs and we had no choice but to bark. That, that's it. But they took us to Canada and turned us into pups. So we don't have to bark anymore. <laughs> so we're not dogs anymore. We're pups. John 8 verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. So who is a slave of sin? The truth is we all are. For Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. Remember Jesus said, anyone who sinned is a slave of sin. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. It means that we are all, or we were once slaves to sin. And the only thing that saved us is when we got saved. By believing in Jesus Christ, we were released from the master called sin. And we come under the master of righteousness, who is Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, Paul again continues, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Come on, just lift your hands up and say with me, this is Romans 6 verse 7. It said, when I die with Christ, when I died with Christ, I was set free from the power of sin. Let me explain to you what that means. There was a time when you had no choice but to sin. No, you have a choice. And when you sin, it's because you want to. It's not that sin is strong. The power of sin was destroyed when you believed in Christ. It doesn't have the power over you. You have dominion over it now. It was this power of sin that allowed us to live a life of destruction and turmoil. You wanted to, to stop. You couldn't because you never believed in Christ. But the moment you believed in him and you died with him, what happened? That power that sinned on you, you were released from it. And so we don't have to sin. That's why Paul says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. In other words, you see, when you were a slave, God expected you to do what you were doing. That's the truth. Let me say it again. When you were a slave to sin, God expected you to do what you were doing. It's like you, you, you just, your expected behavior that we have of animals because that's just how they are. But when you conform their minds and transform their minds and turn them into pets, what happens is that all of a sudden, the animal behavior changes. Not not only do we have an obligation to do right, but we have a desire to do so. You have a desire to do right now. Why? Because you died with Christ and you are raised with him. See, I love the way the writer of Hebrew puts it. It says in Hebrews 12 verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strip, trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Because sin has no power over you, you can run to win. You can run and win. Why? Because now you should have a desire to strip yourself of the sin that easily trips you up. There are some stuff that you keep falling into, you want to fall into them. I know because you have been set free. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You are set free. Let me let me say this to you if a man, if a man committed a murder and the judge said that. He is free to go. He was released. He was released. He was pardoned. And every day he goes to the prison and sleeps in there. Is it the judge's fault? Is it the murder fault? No. It is the man's fault. It is the same thing. When we sin now, we need to check ourselves because we have been set free from the power of sin. We don't have to sin. Will we sin? It's possible, but we don't have to. We have a freedom from the law. We have freedom from tradition. We have freedom from sin. We also also have freedom from death. That is why Scripture says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Listen. If you are a child of God, you cannot die. Because the Scripture says you will reign with Him eternally. In other words, when you give up this earthly body, you are not dead. You're just changing house. You're taking off the mortal to put on immortality. That is why the scripture says, don't fear those persons who can destroy what? The body. But can't touch the soul. Because listen, no grave can hold my body down. For when the trumpet of what? the larges, and the dead in Christ shall rise. It means, listen, no grave can hold my body down. Jesus said it in, in verse 51 of John 8. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. You hear that? Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. I'm going to test this out. I'm going to tell people this week, listen, I believe in God. I will never die. And they're going to say, You want me to test it out? I say, you may not see me again. Because where I am, you may not be able to come there. But we never die. What do I mean? We all know all of us will face a physical death. But physical death is not the end of the road for the believer. In fact, it is the beginning of real life. Real life for the believer begins when physical death comes upon them. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, Each person is destined to die once. And after that comes judgment. So there is no reincarnation, as people would want to say, that you were here before and you come back in a different personal life. It's not scriptural. It's appointed, destined die once and after that comes the judgment Jesus said I tell you the truth in John 5 verse 24 I tell you the truth those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life I have eternal life I have eternal life we have been set free from death it means we have eternal life it says they will never be condemned for their sin Do you hear that God says, if you believe in him, you will never be condemned for your sin. But they have already passed from death into life. So though you are still physically around, God said once you believe in him, you have already passed from death to life. You are free from death after that. We are already alive eternally. It's just that we haven't gone into eternity yet. But we are alive eternally. Eternally doesn't begin when we die physically. It continues. I wait again. It continues because right now we are eternal. Because that's what the scripture says. But they have already passed from death into life. It says, I tell you the truth. This is John 5. Look at it in your Bible. Verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. It didn't say will receive. It says they have eternal life. So we already have eternal life. Death has no grip on us. Our claims to us. So when you go to the funerals and you hear them for funeral, that is why you don't sing certain songs. Song when you go to funeral and you see a, a, a man who don't know Christ, they don't sing no grave can't hold them body down grave can't hold them body down I'm telling you that because they don't have eternal life funeral, funerals are very funny you know because we, we, really, we really make the dead feel good about a bad life that's it if, if, if the dead could hear they would, be so, they would keep a party and say what? I mean they must say all them things they about You call upon them nice and really? Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you condemn that that, that scripture. So next time you go to a funeral and you see a man who didn't accept Jesus Christ and they're singing that you walk away. You tell him, I'm walking away from trouble. Those who are in Christ are set free from death. We also have freedom from judgment. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you know him, if you receive him this morning, you will enjoy all of these freedoms. We have freedom from judgment, Jesus said. And I tell you this in Matthew 12, verse 36 to 37, he says, and I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. I thank God that there's a different judgment for the child of God. The good thing with Jesus is that when you're a child of God, your sins won't be brought up against you. Isn't that good? You can imagine if everything you did from child's birth to death was being brought up against you. The day will come when we will stand at God's judgment seat. I want you to understand that sinners and believers will be judged separately. You see, sinners will be judged based on whether they accepted Jesus Christ or not. And the fact that they did not, they will be judged for every sin that they have committed. But when we are judged, we will be judged differently. So let me read it for you in the Bible so you can understand. Uh, uh, Revelation 20 from 11 to 15 says, And I saw a great multitude, a great white throne, sorry, and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence. But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found, recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. It means if your name is in the book of life, you're safe from the second death. Because now you have eternal life. That's all he's saying. He's saying that if your name is in the book of life, you're safe. Come on, if you're safe, just leave up your Safe. Amen. You have to make sure you're safe, you know. Make sure the person beside you say it, you know. If you didn't hear them say it, check with them, you know ask them are you safe (laughs) ask them and say "Ah, you're you're beside your son and your daughter at home ask them are you safe because we need to have our names recorded in the book of life or else we'll experience a second death it states that the dead were judged but as we have discovered if we obey his teaching we never die so that means the believers are not judged in this judgment because we have eternal life It said the dead are the ones who are judged we are not dead. We have eternal life. So we aren't there. Well where are we? Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 says for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Different judgment this is talking about. We will either receive what we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. In other words this is where we are being rewarded for lives. Our crowns are being formed and the very crowns that will lay at, the, at his feet one day. This is where you get, ah oh, man, a uh, good and faithful servant, you know what? I'm going to give you a crown. Hey, you, you, I mean, you safe and stuff in the but you're going, but boy, well, I, mean, I tell you? anybody not much of hurt. See what, well, see how look at Devon House ice cream. Go and go enjoy that. But you did so, you did so, well listen, I'm going to make, here's a crown, wear a crown. This is separate from the judgment where people are thrown into the lake of fire we believe and we have eternal life so we are set free from judgment hallelujah, I thank God that I'm, because of Jesus Christ I am free, so when I say hallelujah, I am free it means I'm free from judgment Hallelujah, I am free. I'm free from tradition. Hallelujah, I am free. I'm free from sin. Hallelujah, I am free. I am free from the law. Hallelujah, I am free. I am free from hell. That's number six. I am free from hell. When you are set free, who the son sets free is free indeed. You are free from hell. It means that then you are heaven bound. Hallelujah. I'm on my way to heaven. Glory, hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 13 from 41 to 42, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will be weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that this is not me because I have been freed from hell because I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you understand this or you see this in the scripture. If you read your Bible, you'll realize that Jesus thought more on hell than he did on heaven. So hell is a real place. Don't you want freedom from hell? To the farmer, Jesus spoke of wheat, and weeds being separated to the shepherd Jesus spoke about sheep and goats being separated to the fisherman he spoke about the good fish and the bad fish but the weed, the goats and the bad fish all ended up in a fiery furnace you can have freedom from hell this morning in Jesus Christ the rich man was aware of his thirst in the fire in Luke 16 verse 24 In other words, this is giving us a description of hell. That the man was in fire and he was thirsty in the fire. So it can tell you if this is where you end up, when you leave this earth, you're going to be in a place where there is a constant fire, but you still have feelings because he was thirsty. Can you imagine? We can't even bear the sun. And you're going to be living in fire and be able to tell that you're thirsty. Then in Mark 9, verse 48, Jesus says, hell is a place where maggots never die and the fire never goes out. You know what maggots are? It's when you have some bodies that are decomposed and you see those white wiggly things. It says, they never die, meaning you can't kill them. They're all over you. Think about the parts of your body. Crawling over your liver, your kidney, your heart, your mouth, your nose, your eyes, your ears. Why would you want that? When God offers you a mansion. Several times Jesus says, that hell is a place of darkness. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know what weeping is. I don't know what gnashing of teeth is, but I, don't, I figure it's not nice. Whatever it is. But imagine you're in a place where every day weeping is different from crying not crying enough. You know? Because you can't cry and don't weep you know. But when you weep, you're crying and bawling and everything in you know, a one. You're in a place where every single day and every single night, that's all is, that's around you. I thank God that when I accepted Jesus, I was set free from hell. What am I free from? I'm free from the law. I'm free from tradition. I'm free from the power of sin. Listen, I'm free. Listen, I'm free from hell. I'm free from judgment. Thank God I am free. But there is even more good news. There are things you are set free from to become a part of. So we have been set free so we can have a freedom to commune with God. You know that there was a time that God and man were separated. But the good news is, hallelujah, that because Jesus come and has set us free, we have a freedom now to talk to God. There's a time that a priest would have to talk to God for you on the day of atonement. There's a time when Moses would have to go to God on behalf of the people. But now because you have been set free, and who the son sets free is free indeed. Here is the good news. You can commune with God. You can have a relationship with him. You can talk to him for yourself. The scripture says in Hebrews 4.16, So let us, meaning all of us, you, me, the young, the old, the mature Christian, the immature Christian, the educated Christian, the uneducated Christian, the rich one, the poor one. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We can now come boldly because we have been set free. How do I know this? Never was there a king or a false god that you could approach boldly. People could not go. I don't even know. Traditionally, people cannot go before king. Peasants can't go before king. Even when the king calls them into his presence. I don't even know this, but they had to keep their heads down. They couldn't look at the king. If they looked at the king, they would be killed unless the king told them to look at him. You remember how this worked? You remember the story of Esther? What happened with Esther is that the king had to stretch out the golden scepter for her to welcome. You you were not allowed to look at the king as a commoner. Here it is, hallelujah, that the Lord God Almighty, King of kings, and Lord of lords says, come boldly to the throne. Says, come boldly whoever you are you're a child of God come boldly to the throne come boldly upright with your eyes fixed on his says look me in my eyes talk to me reason with me come to me other kings didn't allow that but the king of glory says you 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 come before me look at me don't come in shame and condemnation lift up your head." Look me in the eyes. Fix your eyes on me. The author and finisher of faith. We can expect mercy from the king. Meaning not giving us the punishment we deserve. And grace giving us the blessings we don't deserve. In other words, every time you go before the throne of God, he says, here is mercy. I'm not going to give you the punishment you deserve. And here is grace. I'm going to give you some blessings that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you grace. But what gives us the right to go before this great king? Yes, we have freedom. But what gives us the right? As free slaves to go before the king. Hebrews 10.19 says. And so dear brothers and sisters. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Because of the blood of Jesus. Why can I go? Because of the blood. It is the blood that gives me access. Hallelujah. The blood gives me access. To The throne of God. Thank Jesus for the blood. I love that. I thank God that I don't have to ask my wife to go to God for me. I thank God that I don't have to ask Brother Kendrick. Can you go and tell God something for me? I thank God that I can go boldly before him. And when I go before him, I don't have to be down and hold my head down in shame. He says, no, look me in the eye because the moment you come to the throne of God, he says, mercy is there. And he says, every time you're leaving, I'm going to pour some grace on you. That's the king that we serve. Hallelujah. So we we have freedom to commune with God. Number two, we have freedom to worship God. We have freedom to worship God. There were some places in the tabernacle That was built and a temple that people were not allowed to go in, but because we have been set free, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. We can worship God. You see, Jesus says in John 4:23 to 24. But the time is coming; indeed, it is here now. When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You see, we all have the freedom to worship God in the manner in which he calls us to worship. And that's the thing. The good thing about this is the standard of worship are so simply in God's eyes. If you like choirs and hymnals, that's fine. If you like bands and Christian rock, that's good also. If you like no music, it's good. If you like to do your own song, it's okay. If you like doing it with uh, R&B music playing or the beat playing, it's okay. If you want to do it along a reggae beat, it's okay. Because it is not the style. It is the heart and the spirit that is important. It's the most important worship to God. Comes not from the music that is played but from our spirit our heart and our emotions. That's what matters. It means that, listen, no matter how well you sing, no matter how well you play, no matter how well you pray, if it's not from the spirit, the heart and the emotions, it is not acceptable worship to God. What He really wants, He wants us to adore Him. He wants us to love Him above all things and all others and He wants us to be sincere in our worship. God wants us to be sincere. He wants our worship to be out of love for him, not out of uh, something else to do and church requirement and traditional requirement. He wants us to worship him because we love him and we desire to do this. When we turn up in church and in the worship experience, it's because we love God and we want to do this. He doesn't want us to worship him from obligation, but rather from an open heart. We have the freedom to be us. What others perceive is of us is not important. In other words, listen, worship God. If you feel like running, run. If you feel like jumping, jump. If you feel like, don't try to look like or sound like somebody else. That is why I believe that churches must do their songs. Because every time you sing a song done by an ex-church, you're singing an experience that they have passed. And you're not singing about the experience at your church. It's good sometimes they use them. But when a church is having a worship session. And they write a song in that worship session. And you take it this year and you start doing it. They pass that season a long time. That is why in churches God put people to write. And to sing to him. We have freedom to worship. Finally we have a freedom to serve God. Like I said, we are free slaves. I know sometimes they don't like the, the slave idea, but really we are free slaves. Paul writes in Romans six seventeen to 18, Thank God! Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey His teachings. We have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Paul is instructing us that, We are now living a righteous life. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That old life is gone. A new has begun. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away. I'm born again. You see, it means that we can now serve Jesus in spite of any past mistakes. That is why there's a place for you in the church. No matter how messed up the last 10 years of your life has been. In Christ, you're a new person. The slate is made clean. You, the slate, listen, the slate is clean. God doesn't keep a criminal record of you. He's not asking you, go and get your police record before you come and serve me. He says, no, come and give your life to me. Surrender to me and what the moment you do that he says you're a new creation I know some of you don't serve in churches because I don't, think, I don't think I qualify when I think what I have done listen when you are in Christ you're a new person your past is in the past how, how do I know Romans 6 20 to 22 I'm going to close out he says you were slaves to sin you are free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that leads to holiness and result in eternal life. You see, we all have done things that bring us shame. And often the enemy will whisper those past sins in our ears but the Bible teaches us that those sins have been thrown in the sea of forgetfulness and if God doesn't remember those sins, why should we and so when Satan whispers those past deeds into your ears, just reply to him I have no idea what you're talking about that never happened, why? because I'm a new person I'm a brand new person I'm in Christ. You see, remember the slave from Exodus 21. The slave chose to remain with the master. Why did he choose that? Because he loved the master. We are free, but we are slaves of righteousness. And we stay with our master because we love the master. So, what I want to ask you this morning is will you be God's slave? Will you surrender all to him? He has given you the freedom to choose. What will your choice be? I want you to sing this song that is is, is one of those very old songs. I'm free. Praise the Lord, I'm free. No longer bound. No chains holding me. And, And here's why, because I want you to understand as you sing it what you are free from. Now I want you to sing it with the understanding that you have this morning. Praise the Lord, I am free. I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer bound. Listen. So I want you to sing it this morning. I want you to sing it from a different place. I want you to sing it the say, God, you know what? I thank you. I thank you, I thank you that I'm free to serve you. I'm free to worship you. I'm free to commune with you. God is freedom that I sing of. It's a freedom that means that I'm free from the law. I'm free from tradition. I'm free from sin. I'm free from hell. I'm free from judgment. I'm free from the death. Lord, hallelujah. I am free. Listen, I want you to sing it with new meaning this morning. You no longer need the law to believe or to to be saved. You just need to believe. You don't have to stick to any man-made tradition. You just need to love on God. Listen, understand this, that you have been free from hell. You have been freed from death. You have eternal life for God has set you free. Listen, you have a freedom to worship God. You have a freedom to approach the throne of God boldly. You have a freedom to serve God. You are free to serve Him. Regardless of what your past may have been. What it may have looked like. You are new in Him this morning. So I want you to lift your hands with me this morning. And let us worship God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. I am free, praise the Lord, I'm free, no longer bound, no more chains holding me, my soul is resting, it's such a blessing. Soul is resting. It's such a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.